This is Right From The Deep. I'm Karen Ball. And I'm Erin Taylor-Young. And this is the podcast from writers for writers, answering the question, why am I doing this? Right. As writers, editors, and a former literary agent, we're in the deep with you, encouraging you and equipping you to find your truest story in the deep places. Get our show notes and more, including a free audio download on how to safeguard your writer's heart at writefromthedeep.com. Hey guys, want to know what's happening here at Right From The Deep? Well, as always, thank you so much to our patrons on Patreon. We appreciate you guys more than you can ever know. Yes, we do. And this month, we are being sponsored by something we haven't mentioned in a while. It's one of our Going Deeper workshops. It's an online course called Prepare Your Heart to Be a Writer. You guys, we all know that writing and publishing can be tough. It's going to challenge your self-esteem and it's going to leave you vulnerable, okay? And we don't want you to be vulnerable to attack on your writer's heart. We want to make sure that you have a sure foundation of trust and truth and that it's so solid, nothing will shake it. And nothing can derail you from the task that God has given you. And because it's Christmas time, we're going to put this course on sale for, yes, $20. Who doesn't love a sale in the face of all the inflation happening, right, guys? So our gift to you is this sale. So if you're a writer um, or you have a writer on your Christmas list, maybe, or maybe give a gift to yourself, you can check out the course at writefromthedeep.teachable.com. And it's my turn to share a wonder. And here it is. I think some of you may have seen on Facebook or I may have talked about it here that I had lots of birds in my backyard when we lived in Oregon. And for the first two months living here, two months, guys, I didn't have bird one in my yard, except crows. I had lots of crows. (laughs) Um, I had squirrels, which we never had in Oregon because we were in an area of the town where they just didn't have squirrels. So we have a couple squirrels that we've named Eric and Schmerick, and they've entertained (laughs) us, but, but no birds. And I put out different feeders. And so one day I was crying about it to Aaron and telling her, please pray for birds for me because I miss them. I kid you not, the next day, chickadees filled one of our trees and came to a feeder that Aaron sent me in the mail. (laughs) And within a week, I'd had chickadees and juncos and a northern flicker and a woodpecker and a stellar's jay and then a spotted towhee. Now, Mm. you guys may not know what those particular birds are, but I got to tell you, I just was so amazed at the way that God loves us so much that even when it's this kind of a request and we're whining about it, he says, all right, daughter, let me give you and not just give you, but give you in abundance. So that's my wonder. Yay. And now here's the show. Hey, guys, welcome to the deep today. We are just delighted to have you here because... We have a guest, (laughs) Eva Marie Everson. We're so happy to have you here, Eva. And I get to introduce her. Yay! Eva Marie Everson is a CBA best-selling and multiple award-winning author and speaker. And she's got stuff like a Christie Award or finalist, a Silver Medallion winner, a Carol, several Maggies, a Golden Scroll Awards. I don't know. The list goes on and on. Inspirational Retailer's Choice. On and on, you guys. So um, she also 
also is one of the original five Word Weavers members, which began way back in 1997. Now she's the CEO of Word Weavers International, Inc., and that serves writers primarily as a national and international group of critique and educational chapters. Eva Marie also serves as director of the Florida Christian Writers Conference, which you guys, I know you've heard us talking about before. In 2022, Eva Marie was awarded the Yvonne Lehman Legacy Award and the AWSA Lifetime Achievement Award. She is a graduate of Andersonville Theological Seminary and the Zumak Institute. And we are just delighted to have her with us today. Welcome, welcome, Eva. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and so, of course, we're going to start with our favorite question. What does the deep mean to you, Eva? Mm. I'm so glad you asked me that. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, one of my favorite scriptures, and I think this answers the question, one of my favorite scriptures comes from Philippians, when Paul said, I want to know Christ. And then he goes on into this explanation. He says, yes, to know the power of his resurrection and to participate in his sufferings. And then he says, becoming like him in his death. And for me, that is so multi-layered, but that is about going deeper and deeper and deeper into your relationship and in love with Christ. Uh, when you want to know everything about him, not just the good stuff, because that's, you know, the power of his resurrection. That's that's good. Yeah, we like the power. But then also to participate in the sufferings and to be like him in his death, that's getting down to the nitty gritty. And uh, that for me is, that's going deep. Yeah. Amen. Where's that verse, Philippians 129, I think, that talks, well, no, what the one that you were saying was a different one that I was thinking, because what you said made me think of, so it's been granted to you, Philippians, to to not only suffer for him, you know, it's like, it's like, <laughs> this is a privilege. You get to suffer. Not only do you get to know him, but you get to suffer with him. And what was your reference? Uh, Philippians 3.10. 3.10. I love it. Very cool. All right. So here's the thing, you guys. I have been reading this book called The Third Path, Finding Intimacy with God on the Path of Questioning. And it just so happens to be written by our favorite award-winning author here that we're talking to. (laughs) I have really been enjoying this book um, because it talks about finding intimacy with God. And here we are going into being in December with, you know, thinking about Emmanuel, thinking about God with us. And that's all about intimacy and all about relationships. So I think this is just such an interesting book, and we're going to talk more about it. We'll have a link in the show notes, too. But let's just start here at the very beginning. This book is talking about prayer labyrinths. So explain to our listeners, what in the world is a prayer labyrinth, and (laughs) why are you interested in them? Why am I so interested? Well, um, one of the things that I read uh, some time ago was uh, a labyrinth is a path with a purpose, and I thought that was really cool. Uh, but, you know, uh, it's different than a maze. Uh, a maze is designed to confound and confuse you. It's, you know, you take a path in and then all of a sudden there's a wall and you got to turn around and go back and, and figure out which way to go to get to the center. But not with a labyrinth. It is a it is a clear path. It is it is a curved path, but it is a straight path, if that makes any sense. It's hmm. leading you straight into the center and then and then right back out again. And I say straight, not really literally straight, but there are no barriers. Uh, so you don't have to concentrate on, uh-oh, did I just take a make a wrong turn? There, there are no r- wrong turns. They're just curves. 
keeps curving into the center and then curving back out. But how I got interested in prayer labyrinths happened, uh, I think it was maybe 2016, 2017, somewhere in there. I was at the Blue Lake Christian Writers Retreat in Andalusia, Alabama. Now, it is held (laughs) in a Methodist camp that is rustic, to say the least. They have indoor plumbing, but... (laughs) (laughs) That's good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, uh, of course, my idea of roughing it is sleeping on the sofa at the Ritz. But just, you know, very, very plain, you know, ordinary. You walk in, here's your room. You know, it's got a bed, it's got a desk, it's got, I don't think, any dress or anything an open closet and a tiny little bathroom with a shower stall. And that's it. It's the block. It's just very plain and ordinary. So there wasn't anything about it that stood out to me. And I noticed while I was there at this conference, spending very little time in my room, I noticed that there was a folded eight and a half by uh, 11 sheet of paper on the desk. Didn't pay any attention to what it was, nothing. Getting ready to leave to go home packed my bags, rolling out of the door, looked behind me to make sure I hadn't left anything behind. Good plan. <laughs> and I see that piece of paper. And the Holy Spirit said, pick it up. And I, I mean, I, I heard it as clearly as I hear myself speaking right now. Pick it up, take it home. Didn't know what it was, but okay. So I picked it up, brought it home. About three days later, emptying out my purse. And uh, I found that piece of paper. And uh, apparently <laughs> it was about a prayer labyrinth that was at the conference center. Uh, one that I didn't know anything about simply because I hadn't taken the time to look at the piece of paper. But this particular prayer labyrinth had four paths. And so my my first thought was, well, I've heard of prayer labyrinths, but I don't really know what they are. And when I don't know what something is, I'm a research hound. I love to research. And so I began to look them up and, and I grabbed my journal and a pen and started writing what prayer labyrinths are and, and really how far back they go. In fact, I've had several people say to me, aren't, aren't they very new age? No, actually, they're very old age. <laughs> uh, they go way, way back to the earliest uh, mothers and fathers of our faith. They were designed to not just center you, but to recenter you and you know, to give you that moment of, of just concentrating on walking the path and being specific about what you're thinking about right. and meditating on as you're heading toward the center. So this particular labyrinth, had four paths. The first was um, the path of silence, which is very important and not something that is easily grasped in our day and time. Uh, And then the second path, uh, as we're circling on around toward the center, was the path of memory. And the third path in this particular uh, uh, labyrinth was the path of prayer, followed by the path of questioning. And so, again, as I kept researching this and and, and journaling what I was researching, I, I did uh, enormous research into silence, and yeah. uh, and then you know kind of figured out what the path of memory is. Just kind of when you're talking about you know like this is what's going on in my world, God, and and this is these are the things that I need to chat with you about. I felt that. They, I, I hate to say this, but they did it wrong. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All those ancient people, they messed up. <laughs> that prayer should always be the last thing. I felt that the path of questioning should come third. So I did a little flip-flop on that. And and I just assumed, and I wrote in my journal, well, I'm assuming this is, you know, questions that I have for God. Now, I had at that time three questions for God that I don't believe will ever be answered this side of glory. Um, my my number one question, just to give you an example of what I'm talking about, is why me? 
Yeah. Why did you love me so much that you pursued me? I was a mess. Uh, I didn't deserve to have you die for me, which leads me to the second question. Why did it have to be so violent? Why did it have to be so horrific? Why could why couldn't you just like eating a bad apple or something? <laughs> why did it have to be under this Roman persecution and 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 and, and Roman crucifixion? It was just so brutal. And I I'm just in awe that that God would do that for us. That that he would pursue that first of all, he would send his son to die in this in this way. But then secondly, that having done that, as if that's not enough, he pursues us relentlessly. Mm-hmm. And and that he pursued me as big a mess as I was just will always be a question. I it's it's gonna be hard for me to understand my own value in his eyes. And so there was one other question that's just really maybe too intimate for me to go into, but I wanted a, a prayer labyrinth after that. I wanted my own labyrinth, but uh, I live in Florida and I live in a part of Florida where we have zero property line. <laughs> so there is no, there's nowhere to build a labyrinth. Now, I, I actually live up against a conservation area. So technically I'm thinking, well, my husband could probably go out there and design a prayer labyrinth in the backyard. But we also have alligators, snakes. Um, <laughs> you do not want to meet an alligator along the path of question. Well, well, yeah, those are yeah, things to yeah. contemplate as you're walking. Right, exactly. Um, you know, don't Why, let Lord, your, did you create alligators? <laughs> right, I know. It's like, don't let your small animals out the back door kind of thing, you know, and uh, and fox and, and, and other bear and other animals. So I'm thinking, no, no, on this <laughs> because the last thing I want is to be Walking and meditating with the Lord and a black racer slither across my my path. That would not be good. Then I thought, hmm, we live in a cul-de-sac and there's a tree in the middle of the cul-de-sac. And I could just like walk around the tree a couple of times per path. But then I pictured my neighbors calling the authorities. (laughs) She's lost her mind. (laughs) She's just walking in a circle and every so often her mouth moves. (laughs) I think it's witchcraft. <laughs> but but send the man with the with the white jacket. And then I, I just continued writing. I said, well, I'm writing this. Why can't I journal the, the, the labyrinth? Why can't I sit down every day and have my time of silence, you know, grab a scripture and and let you know meditate on that? And then my path of memory is kind of, you know, like this is what's going on inside me today. This is what's happening. This is how I feel about it, God. And then, you know, go into the path of questioning and I'll write my my three questions down for the Lord and, and then move on to prayer. Well, we got to day two of this and I was very excited until I got to the path of questioning. And I thought, well, this is going to be very monotonous because these, these are not going to be answered, <laughs> this side of glory. So I'm not going to sit here and write the questions every day. I'm just going to end up going ditto, you know, <laughs> like, you know what they are, you know, and just leave it at that. But as I was writing all of this, I heard the Holy Spirit again speak to my heart and say, not your questions, my questions. Mm. And I, I wrote, what, what questions do you have? You're omniscient, you're all-knowing, you're, you know, what? What questions could you possibly ask? And then I heard the answers. Where are you? What is mm. this thing you have done? Where did you come from? And where are you going? What do you do want? You what do you want me to do for you? Here's your faith. Why were you afraid? The questions go on and on and on. I grabbed my Bible and a ruler, and I began just to go down the columns 
and looking for the question marks. Mm. And I spent a year, just maybe a year and a half, just pouring over questions and writing my answers back to God and growing deeper and deeper in love with him. And my relationship became more and more intimate. And so as we were getting about to a year and a half of me doing this and not mentioning it to anyone, just doing it, it was about time for me to teach at the Blue Ridge Conference. This is up in Asheville. And I was talking to Edie Melson, the director, and I said, this has changed my life as a writer. And I would love to be able to take this and teach this. And she said, let's do it. And so we did a continuing class and I only allowed 12 people in. I thought I would be lucky if I had five. I ended up with a wait list. Every year I have a wait list. I've taught this all over now. Uh, One of my greatest joys was teaching it at Mount Hermon, Mm, uh, teaching it at Blue Lake, where the whole thing started, of course, Uh, teaching it at, at, you know, women's retreats and, and, and things like that. But I was having lunch with Rachel Houck one day. Uh, it's a New York Times bestseller and yeah. uh, one of my dearest friends. And she said, uh, where's the book? <laughs> and I said, where's the book? And she said, you got to be kidding. You, you've got to share this. And I said, okay. But that meant I was going to have to pick out the questions I thought would lead to a new path. And that was a path that people could walk and then start their own journey. So I pulled 26 questions out of the Bible, out of the hundreds. Of questions that got it. And I wrote the third part. So you said that this, you know, specifically changed your life as a writer. Tell us, can you give us some examples or how do you think that, what has that done for you as a writer? Well, it changed me as a writer because it forced me to go deeper and to think differently, to see myself differently, to understand in ways that I had never understood before, that God gave me this talent for a reason and that he didn't give it to everyone. You know, we can all sing, but we can't sing well. We can all draw, but we're not artists, right? Uh, we can draw a stick figure, but we are not necessarily going to draw a Monet and, uh, or a Rembrandt or a Van Gogh. And we can all write words, but we're not all writers. Yeah. We're, not, we're not publishable. And for whatever reason, my whole life, looking back on it, I realized that that I always saw in word pictures and I thought in word pictures and I thought in story and that that was a gift and that it was not to be taken lightly, nor was it to be abused. But, But in order for me to fully understand that, I had to go to some really deep places and sometimes some dark places because some of the questions are hard. They're not easy. And even some of the easier ones <laughs> get hard because, for example, the question, what do you want? Or what do you want me to do for you? Which are two separate questions that Jesus asked. Um, you want me to be honest? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. You know, when, when, when I got to that question and God's, you know, I'm writing it down as if it's coming from God to me. What do you want me to do for you? You want me to be honest? <laughs> I mean, you know, it yes. <laughs> can I tell you? Can I tell you? And, and then like he didn't already know. Like, like I don't know what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm God. 
So even like <laughs> we see each other, we say, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? And actually the answer is it's horrible. My life is horrible. Thank yeah. you for asking. But we don't say that, right? We don't answer truthfully. Yeah. We just put on these fronts, these airs. The, you know, we, we, we have these pat answers. But when God says, how are you? He asked Hagar, his second meeting with Hagar that we know of, I think is in 18, Genesis 18. First one's in Genesis 16. Genesis 18, he comes to Hagar. Ishmael is dying under a bush. And he comes to Hagar and he says, What's the matter, Hagar? <laughs> oh, nothing. Nothing. <laughs> this, you know, she was a typical Christian in church. Ah, uh, nothing. Do you need nothing. The, the after food today? Yeah. Or? <laughs> Doing fine. Doing fine. Son's over there dying under a tree. But other than that, everything's great, you know? But what I love about that question is not only did he care, but he called her by name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when I wrote that, you know, what's the matter, Eva Marie? What's the matter? Because we, every day of our lives, something is the matter. Yeah. There's something that's weighing heavy on our hearts every single day. Well, tell him. So what do you think is the barrier? I mean, we obviously, we struggle with this. I, why do we struggle? Why do people struggle to know what they really want or to admit it? <laughs> Especially writers. Yeah. Well, you know, we certainly don't want to reach for the stars, for heaven's sakes. But isn't that what happened with blind Bartimaeus when Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? I mean, blind Bartimaeus could have said, um, I want enough money to get through the week. I want people to quit picking on me. Uh, I, I want enough money to get through the month, the, the year. But he, he went for broke. I want to see. Yeah. Because if he could see, everything else could be given to him. So he went absolutely for the stars. What's the best you got for me, Jesus? That's mm. what I want. I want, <laughs> I want to be able to see. Jesus healed him and he could see. And... We're so conditioned to not tell people what we really want. That's right. um, we're afraid that we'll seem prideful. We're afraid that we'll seem ungrateful. Um, there are fears, and I think those fears come from the enemy. He plants them inside of us because if we would recognize that when the God of the universe is coming to us and saying, what do you want me to do for you? It's not a trick question. No. It's it's not like he's waiting for us to give the wrong answer and then he's going to pull the rug out from there. <laughs> right. You know, he just he doesn't work that way. He knows what we want before he even asks the question. But what he wants from us is our honesty, our gut level transparent honesty. And maybe a little conversation? Yeah. Hello. You know, and I mean the interesting thing is is I have my I have my what do you want me to do for you? And, and I was teaching this in Northern Arizona at a writer's group. And I said, you know, this is what I want. And this man sitting way in the back called out and he said, why? Well, I hadn't explored that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, then I had to go back and kind of rejournal and say, this is what I want. And this is why I want it. And now let me be honest about that. Yeah, And not just, well, I'd be kind of cool, you know, but, but more like, what do you want me to do for you? I want to be able to see why. Because I'm blind. 
Because if I could see, I wouldn't have to beg on the side of the road every day of my life. If I could see, I mean, do you remember that that when he first was calling out, you know, son of David? Son yeah. of da- I mean, he was like literally saying, you're the Messiah. Messiah, son of David, have mercy on me. What were the disciples and all the people around him saying? Hush. Yeah. <laughs> you're bothering the rabbi. You're bothering the master. <laughs> You're bothering the rabbi. Stop it. Don't bother the rabbi. Don't do this. dreams. What are you thinking? You know what's so interesting is that they were trying to shame him, really. You don't deserve to talk to him. Right. You know, and I think that still sneaks in. Like we still have that that shame that came way back in the Garden of Eden. You know, I think we still like, why do we think God's gonna pull the right God from under us? Because somewhere way back when, even Eve thought that, you know, oh, God's holding out on me. <laughs> I can't eat that fruit. Cause then I'll be like, you know, it's like how can we get rid of that shame. And I I think one of the great things about asking these questions, going through this and and being honest, it really helps us take a look at that. Why do I feel ashamed? Why do I think God's going to think this about me? Why am I so afraid? You know? Like he doesn't already know. And and he does, but the key is we don't. Yeah, that's it. That's it. I mean, until somebody said to me, why? I had never explored the reason why I want this. And then when I did explore the reason, it opened up a whole new like room of other questions and future answers and more conversation with God on this. You know, it's like, okay, yeah, we answer, we got the surface down here, but now let's go a little bit deeper. Let's go on and now we're gonna go a little bit deeper and a little bit deeper. Wow, guys, I don't know about you, but this conversation has been amazing and inspirational. And so the good news is we're going to continue it in our next episode. So make sure that you tune in. You don't want to miss what else Eva has to share with us. That's right. Thanks for joining us today. You can find previous episodes and more resources at rightfromthedeep.com. And I bet you know someone who needs this podcast. So please share it with them. So until next time... Embrace the deep. Your writing and your life will never be the same. Mm -hmm.